Hey Rebel Forces, it's your friend Princess Jenny here to talk to you about our Patreon, which you should totally join because we have so much fun stuff going on now. We have a private Discord server, we have a Facebook group, we have bonus episodes, mailbag episodes, live chats, all kinds of fun stuff going on. You want to be a part of it. Membership start at only $3 a month. There is nothing holding you back. So come on over to our website at heyadora.gay. That's right, you know the one, heyadora.gay, or head on over to Patreon. You can also find us there at patreon.com slash heyadoracast, and we will see you there. Until next time, queer joy is magic, and queer love saves the universe. Hey folks, and welcome to Heyadora, your queer shiver podcast. I'm Force Captain Matt, they them. And I am Princess Jenny, she, her. And today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 3, Signals. Ooh, spooky. spooky. Signals was written by Catherine Nolfi, storyboard by Mandy Clotworthy and Oliver Maltrick, directed by Leanne Hughes. Spooky ghosts, weeping ghosts, headless ghosts, princess ghosts. Oh Oh my god! We're just gonna do this the whole episode. We're just gonna make spooky without advancing the plot. (laughs) This is a fun. It's a fun episode. It is. It is. It's a fun episode in some ways. Like it's it's not one of my favorites. Same. But, you know, it's certainly a fun episode. It's certainly a fun episode. It's kind of an easy episode to watch. And, yeah. you know, it 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 is kind of like a ghost story. You know, it's it's a horror episode, right? Like, in terms of it being actually scary? Horror, no, it is. I don't yes. know horror. I think it's too, like, it's too shticky. Like, it's not scary. I mean, it's it's Does- like goofy, goofy horror. It, it it and that's what we're gonna it follows the same tropes as a ghost story story yes so while it yes. is not actually it's a, scary like a parody or a satire version i would say okay i feel like it's like a scooby-doo type of thing yeah yeah i just i'm such a horror buff i have a hard time calling this a horror episode yeah i know <laughs> you know, I know. It, like I mean, it's not it's- dark there's other episodes that are dark no, definitely. This is, and I like horror comedy too. That's what I'm saying. Like this this follows the horror trope, but you know, like yeah. the best horror comedies are poking fun at the genre. And I, agree. I feel like that's what this is doing. I agree. To I great agree. effect. It does. It's true. It's true. It's true. It's I see, I feel like it's more a horror for kids. Like it's not scary, but it's using the same tropes in right. order to it's like, introducing kids to the genre. To, to the genre. Yeah. 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 But anyway, it's yeah, that works. spooky. But also, you know, there's like a whole bunch of info dump from the Horde, which isn't spooky at all. No, the Horde side stuff actually is the more meaty and juicy part of the episode. Agreed. So before we get into this episode specifically, there were actually two other things I wanted to touch on. Let's One go. is the EW article that we already yeah. had discussed together. But the other thing before that even came up... I had put a a note at the top of this one that I was like, okay, now that we're getting into season two, can we acknowledge that we're into the weird, the weird tiny seasons are upon us. Tiny season two and tiny season three. Let's talk about tiny seasons. At the time that it it came out like this, I was very off put by it. 
I found I it confusing and frustrating, and it made me question whether the show was going off the rails a little, because it, it just didn't make sense to suddenly stop in the middle and say, this is the end of a season. Like, they mm-hmm. could have said they were taking a long hiatus, mm-hmm. but yeah, they didn't. Yeah. So I did look it up, and there's an article, Sheer Cast S2 Likes the Seven Episode Season Format by Nancy Powell. Okay. Dated 4-19-2019. Okay, which is around when it came out. Yeah, and so ND said that they planned it that way and that the cast was on board with it simply for the reason of having more fan engagement by putting out episodes more often with the shorter time gaps between them. Oh, so, which okay, on that paper, makes sense. And they said, like, all the cast... Sure. It makes sense on paper. So, like, yeah, for example, okay. between season one and season two, five months passed. Between right. season two and season three, four months passed. I remember, between yeah. Between season three and season four, only three months passed. And then between season four and season five, six months passed. So we all know that there were five seasons in, like, three years. Right, right. So the timeline was compressed. So, like, yeah, it makes sense on paper to say, like, oh, we want to keep up the fan engagement. We want to be able to drop episodes more often, and that's why we shorten the season. It makes sense on paper. But it didn't work for me. And no. I, you know, because of the way they were, you know, it's like a season means something. It's it's like a chapter of a book. Right. You know, I understand wanting to drop episodes more often, but, you know, if you call it a season, people expect it to come to some sort of conclusion or even a midway conclusion, like, you know, some sort of benchmarking point. It felt like the way that season two and season three were written, that they were written as one season and then split up. Yeah, because exactly. Because the, the rhythm of the, of the story uh, fits that. So if you're looking, it, yeah, so if you're looking at it as season two, you know, it's like, if you're looking at it like that, it makes sense. But I agree. It did feel yeah. a little like, yeah. it felt disjointed. Uh, yeah, I agree with you exactly. It did feel like season two and season three should have been one season. If they wanted to release half of it sooner for the sake of increasing fan engagement, that's cool. But sure. just, you know, call it, you know, season two A and then say, you know, hiatus. Right. And then, you know, we're going to release the second half of the season in a few months. What's wrong with that? A lot, yeah. and especially like it's not uncommon for shows to have long midseason hiatuses. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, so but I anyway. agree with you. Yeah, I agree well, with you. I'm glad it we feels agree. a little weird. Yeah, yeah, we do agree. We do. We do. We really do. Well, I'm curious what other people thought. Were you guys bothered? Do you think we're being old and stodgy and sla- unnecessarily slavish to a random format? To a random format. Or do we you are, agree with us? We are old and only understand 22 episode formats. Hey, <laughs> there's some middle ground there. I know, I know. <laughs> anyway. I know. I, I was curious, though, how many other people were thrown off the way I was versus people were like, whatever, you know, each episode is great and what, you know, I'll see whatever comes. Well, I feel like it also depends, like, you know, a lot of folks are discovering it for the first time now and are binging it. So, right. like, they are going right it's from that. It's not going to have you, any impact on you. Exactly. If you're watching it for the first time with all the episodes already banked and available. But you and I have a, we're, That's true. you know, like literally like first day, first drop, watch it. Right, right. Anyone yeah. who was watching it at the time, like you could only watch each season as each season was dropped. Right. And yeah. you watched them this all in one day. This is why I am so grateful that I didn't watch Carmilla until after the whole thing was dropped. 
Oh, because, I have to watch that. Oh, you still haven't watched that? I still haven't Dude. watched it yet. I know. It's just really, really great. But so the whole thing came out. It's a web series. The whole thing came out in like five minute episodes. But so Whoa. each, there's like three seasons and each season is between two and a half and three and a half hours long all together. Oh, cool. But so like, I can't even imagine watching these episodes one at a time would have been so excruciating. Yeah, because it's like, it's like. But it's you like eating a bowl of popcorn one kernel at a time. Yeah, like, <laughs> but waiting ten generously. minutes between each popcorn. Yeah, kernel. yeah. I, wow. I can't even. I can't even. And that's also yeah. why I don't read comic books one issue at a time. It's just Ugh. too painful. Except I, with the yeah. current Harley Quinn series, I can't fucking help myself. Is it? It's that good. Um, it, I mean, it is good. It's not that. Oh, it's that good. It's that I am that impatient. I can't just. I, I can't just wait. If there's Harley Quinn Poison Ivy content out there, I'm I, I I'm going to get my little paws on it. It I is know, good. It is good. Yeah. It's not like, oh, it's cool. the best thing I've ever read, but it is good. I'll check it out. I'll check it's it out. It's fun. It's sexy. It's a little emotionally painful, but, you know, that's, what, I mean, that's what all gay comics are. All gay comics. All gay everything is all emotionally everything. painful. Yes. But we should also talk about the uh, Entertainment Weekly article that came yes. out. Um, because yes, we should. That was really cool. So uh, for folks that haven't read it, we'll put it in the sh- link to the show notes. Uh, Entertainment Weekly did a list of the 100 best TV couples of all time, and Catradora was on it. And then they did- Catradora uh, was notably the only animated couple yep, to make they were this the list. Only animated couple to make the list, and they were in the top 25, I believe. I don't know. It didn't say in the article, or at least oh. I didn't. I didn't notice. So uh, we actually, re- uh, Hey Adora Twitter, the Twitter actually re- um, retweeted the uh, the list. Awesome. Yeah. So you can I check out our Twitter that. and you can see the list. <laughs> and then there's also this incredible article where they um, interviewed Andy and um, AJ and Amy about it. And the the conversation was was wonderful. It's just really honing in on yeah. in the one of the core, if not the core aspect of what makes this show so special to the queer community, but also, like, to the cultural landscape as a whole. Yeah. Not to be too dramatic. And no. why it speaks to people so much. Well, I mean, first first off, like, they said it was the best, the, you know, the greatest animation animated romance of all time, right? Like, Not that that's that- a ton of competition. <laughs> well, for, like, a lot of these things, they would put, like, you know, if this came out, like, 10 years ago, they would be like, oh, it's Homer and Marge or any of these other right, things. But they right, didn't. Right. They chose fucking Catradora, right? Like, because they chose there's- a queer couple in a framed you know, a story that was framed as a queer love story. Yes, but also think about, like, the example you just gave of Homer and Marge Simpson versus Catradora. Yeah. Like, one is like, doop de doop I'm a cartoon, doop de doop and the other is like, oh, bear your soul to me. Like, know, well, and, you know, <laughs> like, this is real. This is like, you know what I'm, I'm saying? There's, there's depth and relatability and realness to it that other cartoon shows would never even attempt. It's not what's expected from the from this genre. Yes. It's unexpectedly complex, both from this genre and really from any other genre. It was a deeply well-written, complex romance. Um, I tabbed a few of the quotes. Yes, please. Um, I know you I, did. <laughs> that I thought were worth sharing. Um, so first is AJ, and this is in response to EW asking, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you think back on the relationship between Catra and Adora? 
So AJ said, I think it's the importance of inclusivity and joyous writing. There's just something about this show that's triumphant and celebratory. And I think that we would all agree with that. Definitely agree with that. And that's something that, you know, queer people especially need more of, but especially today in our current pandemic world, we all need more of. We all need more joy. Um, And then EW said, the show could be uplifting and positive, but you all weren't afraid to get dark either. There are times when the gap between Catra and Adora felt unbreachable, and then there's the horrible robotic hive mind stuff in the final season. So the positivity and uplift really felt earned. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's part of what I meant when I was saying, like, you can't compare the romance between, like, Homer and Marge Simpson versus Catra Dora. That sure, depth sure. comes from, you know, they each are on these incredible emotional journeys. Absolutely. And Homer and Marge Simpson, maybe not so much. Maybe not, maybe not so much. It's not a romance, anyway, right? Like, so, yeah. yeah. So ND's response to that last comment from EW is, it felt like we were in a moment where there had been these people who had stuck their necks out to bring these queer characters to the forefront in the limited way they could. And ND speaking about other animators and people involved in other cartoons where they had, not the showrunners, not the people in charge, had managed to push like, you know... Marceline and Bubblegum, you know, and all those other baby steps. Like it was, mm-hmm. you know, people who had pushed their necks out and maybe risked their jobs to try and get a tiny bit of queer acknowledgement. Um, so Andy's not talking about the characters. They're talking about the uh, the people behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's these people who had stuck their necks out to bring these queer characters to the forefront in the limited way that they could. I wanted to take that momentum and run with it as far as I could, which... We all know they succeeded. They definitely did. And Amy said, there's this breath of fresh air, and it's nice to give a place of importance to the emotional truth of characters. Mm. So often, especially in the TV culture that I grew up watching, that was not the case. Mm -hmm. So much of it was, well, the hero can't be bothered with a love story because the hero has other things to do. This is a procedural show and we don't have time for that or whatever. So it is wonderful and brilliant, and I can go on and on about Andy's talent for decades, that not only was he committed to immortalizing in a way that relationship, but also just giving it its proper due in the story and the formation of a hero. That is a very important part of Adora's life, and it's not all work. Maybe that's also just a millennial urge to remind people that you are also here to live and not just to work. Oh my god, I love that. Right? Aww. Yeah, I think, like, that's very relatable. Aww. Um, And then there's one more comment from AJ that's awesome. I wonder if Um, this is the one that I earmarked. It probably probably is. is. So EW asks, do you guys have any particular favorite moments or scenes from Catherine Adore's relationship that we haven't touched on yet? And AJ says, maybe this is my own fucked up thing, but I love it when there's a complicated situation like, are they going to fight? Are they going to kiss? I can't tell. (laughs) And so I love those moments between Catra and Adora where it's like the tension has to be broken somehow, right? It's either they're going to beat the shit out of each other or they're going to have sex. We don't know. (laughs) And so I love the tango at the prom. We did too, AJ. Yeah. We did too. We're all there with you. We're all there with you. We're all there. So not pulling any punches. Not really. (laughs) And I love that. That's That's what I love about them. Yeah. I love those those wacky kids. Yeah, yeah. It's it's amazing to have this production team able to be so frank and open. Yeah, and so uh, like they're and just... embraced by the media, by the public. Yep. yep. Yeah, it's really cool. It's fucking cool. 
And now it can even bring us here. And now it can bring us here to the Horde. Yes, to Hordak Sanctum. So, that's so classy. Where he's doing evil science. Yep, so he's sciencing. He's he's pondering his orbs. Mm-hmm. He's clenching his fist. Yeah, he's so excited it, that he yes. crushes his little tool in his super-powered hand. And, of course, it doesn't work. Yes. Experiment goes boom. Hordak is sad boy. Oh, <laughs> and then we have Imp, who is... <laughs> Imp is gross. Uh, I like him. Me. I don't know why I like him. Uh, I know he's a creepy little fuck, but like it's also not re- his fault. Creepy Rapido baby, who <laughs> only like it's like the parrot that only re- that only repeats the worst absolute things that you've ever said. So like, well, I mean, someone trained him to be like that. Sure, I yes. feel like with love, he could choose what he wants to repeat with love. It could be a reflection uh, of his own soul. Sure, rather sure. than hey. his master. Abs- sure, but he's making the choice right now. Yeah, right, right now he's a he's a cog in the horde, and he's gonna give us Hordak's theme for this episode, which is useless, 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 useless. useless. Yes. So, and this I have a note here. This is another really good episode for reflecting on the Jungian concept of the shadow, um, especially with regard to Hordak. So we're only just starting to see now how hard he is on himself. That's true. Like how mad how mad he gets at himself when his lab work doesn't go perfectly the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and from what we will eventually know of him by the end, we see that he is deeply driven by his own feelings of worthlessness and his need to prove himself hmm. and to prove his, his sense of self-worth. And so he takes those feelings out on everyone around him to make it more bearable for himself because he can't bear to face up to how badly he feels about himself and he hasn't worked through that. And when you can't face up to those things, you know, it's not that he, the thing that he can't face up to isn't the truth that he is worthless. That's not what he can't face up to. He can't face up to working through his feelings, you know, that he has been so afraid to face. His feelings are the thing that he has to face up to. Right, right. And so because he has not been able to do that, he takes out the shit that he feels about himself on everyone else. It's not just random anger. Right, but he's still a fucking dick. He's still a fucking dick, but I'm just saying there's a there's a pattern to it. It's not just random. Sure, chaos. sure, you know, sure. And this is a perfect example of how toxic it is when you don't work through your shit. Yep. You could cause a say an intergalactic war. For example, you know, just work out your shit. And so we're gonna see some examples. We're gonna see more and more examples of how, what that can look like working through your shit. Because this show is all about working through your shit. It is. <laughs> it, it really is. Like, and that's ga- a- it's about working through your shit and gay love. And gay love. And, and working through your shit teamwork. togetherness. <laughs> teamwork, gay teamwork, love, and working through your working shit. Working through your shit. Yeah. Which is the queerest yeah. shit ever. So Hordak sabotages himself as much as he sabotages Katra. Oh. Um, which is, I'm not trying to make people feel bad for Hordak. Even though I know it sounds like I'm saying like, oh, I'm making excuses for him. I'm not making excuses for him. None of his behaviors are okay. Right. right and none exactly. of these things are excuses <laughs> that should make people go easier on him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you can't start to change bad behavior until you understand it. Because once you understand it, then you can understand like, well, what's a good approach to try to change it? Works so for me. It's just a roadmap. It's just a roadmap. Roadmap. Anyway, useless, useless. And we have some credits. Have credits, credits, credits. We're going to win in the end. Or will we? I think so. Probably. Probably. 
Now we get to the Whispering Woods where it is unnecessarily spooky. Yes, we've got the best friend squad plus Swiftwind walking and talking about Entrapta. Yep, so we're doing some info dumping on Entrapta. I can't believe she left us. The Horde must the have horde. messed with her mind. Yeah, but Glimmer's like, she seemed like normal yeah. and trapped a normal, which is kind of shitty to say, Glimmer, but yeah. whatever. I think she's just acknowledging that Entrapta's normal state is not the same as her it's normal state. It's not the state. same as her normal state. Yeah, yeah, that's but true. But it does sound shitty. It does sound a little shitty, but I, yeah. Um, Both but, are true. You know, she's saying that it does seem like Entrapta wants to be there. It doesn't seem like she's being brainwashed. Right, yeah. So, and my bullet point shortened version of the next, of the following conversation is, but magic, but tech, but magic <laughs> and tech together. Entrapta, the ultimate Yenta for elemental forces. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I just wrote, thank you, Bo, for yeah. explaining that again. Yes. I yes. love that. Well, you know, somebody's got to summarize what we know so far. But then Bo is like, hey, you know, you got me. You still got I, me. I'm a premier member of the Ethereum Maker community. And Am like, I the only one who giggles like a child every time someone in the show says maker? It's oh, just, no, I, I it's thought ridiculous. it was hilarious, too. I just imagine, like, people that buy those robot kits are, like, hack, like, old tech to make it, like, I don't I'm know. just thinking of little kids talking about poop. <laughs> I'm a maker. Yeah, nope. I definitely don't think about that. <laughs> I just babysat too much, maybe. I feel like it. I yeah, feel like I'm... there's better ways to express the inventing of things. Well, there. I mean, the make make. I know they had to find a, a different thing. word to make it sound like oh, on this planet they have a different vocabulary. No, that's it's not. That's silly. not a, on this. It's on. It's on a, on the Earth thing too. Really? Like um, yeah, maker community is definitely a type of thing. Wow, I never heard that word used yeah. that way. Yeah, anywhere else, it's... but on Etheria. But no, it's de it definitely is. And it's pretty much what Bo is doing. Kind of like, you know, uh, like tinkerers and See, that's that sort of thing. that makes sense. Sure. Anyway. Anyway. So, Pretty sure know. he doesn't mean for his arrow to catch fire. Sure. But you know what? He is, in general, a pretty good engineer and a scientist. He's the one we can count on. Sure. And, you know, his... But, you know, sometimes your arrows catch fire and you say, I meant to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's one of my favorite tropes, on. of course. And you move on. Yeah. You move on to Swiftwind. Hello, comrade Swifty. Ahoy, comrades. <laughs> the outpost nice. is close. So. And they... then I wrote Glimmer. Hey, that's a great opportunity for a segue. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you should mention the outpost. We lost contact with them a week ago. Yeah. The horde hasn't been reported in this area, but we can't be too careful. And Adora, of course, twitches like, every time she hears the word horde. Right. She's They're like, always involved. Catra, Catra, Catra. Catra, Catra, Catra. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. And Glimmer's like, we can handle them. They're no match for yep, us. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Uh, we'll handle this the way we always do. Brute strength? Almost dying? No, and, and no. And finally, Glimmer has learned a lesson yes. by sticking together and never giving up. Yes. So good Insert job, Glimmer. Insert corny friendship joke from Bo. Yeah, the Naturally. best friend quad. Because there's four of us. No one liked it. 
But it sticks somehow anyway. It's But it sticks. Yes. And then as they are leaving, Adora looks back over her shoulder at the ominous breeze of foreboding. She is so serious. Ooh, ooh, spooky. Spooky Woods. Spooky Woods. And now we go back to the Fright Zone. Yes. And my first note for this scene is doot, doot, doodly, doot, doot, doot. Somebody's enjoying their work. It's Entrapped Up. <laughs> the singing to yourself song. Dip, I'm singing to work. Yeah. I love yeah. that. She's, so, just, she's just in her groove doing her thing. She's doing her Entrapped Up thing. She realizes she doesn't have a tool. Yeah. She realizes the table's a tiny bit wobbly and she yeah. can't possibly do ideal work on a wobbly table. Sure. And she sure. could easily fix it with the correct tool. And Mef, there's no weapons corner for this episode, but there is a tiny tool corner. Yay, thank you, because I wanted to bring this up. Oh, Please good. talk <laughs> about the six-sided hex yes. driver. So, dear listeners, I am not particularly any more knowledgeable about tools than I am about weapons. So I feel like it all fits under the same umbrella. So I wasn't sure if a six-sided hex driver was a real thing or not. And first of all, one thing I know is that a six-sided hex anything is a redundant thing. Because hex yeah. is six. So yeah, obviously like saying, a hex driver is going to have six sides. Sure. It's like saying ATM machine or chai tea. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's the Department of Redundancy Department. Ha, ha. Exactly. <laughs> but I looked it up. And what it actually is, is it's that tiny ridiculous thing that you get in every box from Ikea which is also called an Allen wrench, a hex wrench, and an Allen key. It's it's like a little L, a metal mm-hmm. L, mm-hmm. and you just twist it around and around and around to, to get the bolts in your Ikea furniture in. Yep. And sometimes you could even have a little kit of them in all different sizes that mm-hmm. you might keep in your house to tighten up the bolts in your chairs. Oh, or to tighten up the... The bolts in your table, your Ikea table that right. you're Anything. building robots Anything. on the hoard. Anything. So that is a hex driver. Yay. Or Thank you. Or a hex wrench or an Allen key or an Allen wrench. Mm, and it, actually, let me tell you what it is by definition. Please do. It is do. a simple driver for bolts or screws that have heads with internal hexagonal recesses or sockets. Ooh, I love this. Hex keys are formed from a single piece of hard steel hexagonal rod having blunt ends that fit snugly into similarly shaped screw sockets. Mmm, sexy. And now she's off to find one. And now she's off to find one, but not a six-sided hex anything because it's fucking redundant. Yes, but she's going to keep saying it, so... Whatever. Whatever. Bless her. Maybe it's different on Etheria. It seems like the thing that she's looking at requires a different type of tool than the thing that we just described, but who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? Who fucking cares? It's a word. We defined it. You're welcome. Thank you for Jenny's tool corner. You are welcome. I appreciate that. So welcome. Shall we go back to Hordak Sanctum? I think we should go back to Hordak Sanctum. Catra wants to. So we got some Catra sauntering in. Well, she's not really sauntering in in this one. She's kind of gingerly walking in looking for Lord Hordak. And, she's uh, trying to be a good leader. Yeah, she's like trying to check in with the boss, trying to like, you know, it's like when you like knock on the boss's door and you're like, 
hey, you got like you got like ten minutes for like a check in, maybe like a, you know, and the yeah, bus. she's trying to like coordinate their shit. Yeah, and she's like, hey, you know, I haven't been in this position for that long. We should probably have some long term organizational stuff in place for how we check in and have communications because that's important. And it was absolutely a good idea that she had. Absolutely. But Hordak was going to be pissed at whoever walked through that door, obviously, because yep. he's, yep. he's in a bad boy mood. He's in a bad mood and he had a hard day. Yes. And so, of course, he has to take it out on people. Yes. And I wrote, Hordak is mad at himself and taking it out on Catra because he's never been to therapy. <laughs> Do they have therapy for clones? I don't know, man. I mean, therapy's therapy. It's universal. Well I mean, also, he's like a clone that, like, he gains self-awareness. So. It's true. It's true. Listen, I feel that uh, a good therapist and a, who, who, if is a good listener. It's true. You know, the, it's true. the human condition. If <laughs> a one, listener, if a one listener takes, first. Yes. If one takes the word human to be expanded to mean a person of, of any planetary origin, a person, a person a from person. any planet, person grown in a tube, a clone, right. a person, sure. a sure. person who has self-awareness is a universal condition we all have our own specificities sure if you can open up to your therapist your therapist should be able to guide you so we're gonna because the guidance of therapy is just to look at yourself it's not like your therapist is going to tell you oh here here's the answer i'm going to tell you the secret answer to your problems are you listening here's how to fix all of the things that have ever gone wrong in your life ever yes and you're like thanks therapy anyway catra points out that they need to plan their next move against the rebellion which is perfectly reasonable point yep and then Hordak, of course, just like snaps at her and was yeah. like, well, you fucked up, which like she didn't. Yeah, basically, he's like acting like she has been doing a terrible job up till now, which is which absolutely not true. She hasn't. And then he fucking takes all of the oxygen out of the Which ro- is like- terrifying. And even though yeah. he's standing right next to her, it doesn't affect him, which is weird. Yeah. This is fucking yeah, terrifying. This is a really scary torture technique. So now basically he's gaslighting her in the same way. In in some ways, it's, it's the same type of gaslighting that Shadow Weaver did to her because she's done awesome work throughout yep. the time that he has promoted her. Yep. And yes, yeah, she got captured in the last episode. Fine. So she made one mistake. She got captured. But suddenly she has been sub-satisfactory this whole time and she she's been failing this whole time like right. no that is just patently not true it is patently not true so how do you deal with that why you take all of you you ugh. the thing that terrifies me the most about Remind this someone is that, that you decide if they can breathe or not yeah so like just the thought of ch- choking right choking to death right choking someone to death without being touched is terrifying yeah i mean speaking as someone who was very sick with COVID and spent six yeah. weeks having my primary daily task being just keep breathing. Yeah. It's very scary to not be able to breathe properly and not have an immediate reason or a way to make it stop. It's very fucking scary. Yeah. So Hordak has none of my sympathy at this point because this is so... Yeah, no. Fuck. Of course. Yes. And, you know, when he's... What he says to Katra... He's absolutely saying to himself, but, you know, it's easier for him to vent it on Katra. He says, pathetic, just like everything on this backwards planet. Yep. And, you know, he's been relegated to this backwards planet, so he 
I'm sh- whether he's consciously thinking it or not, he's including himself in that. And failure is when something says, ceases to yeah, serve a purpose. Which is not the definition of failure. No, it's not. When that happens, it becomes worthless to me. Right. Thus far, your performance has been lacking. No, it hasn't. No, it Fuck hasn't. Fuck you, Hordak. And Catra stands up for herself. She's yes. like, I haven't failed yet. Yeah. I know how to do this. Trust me. Yeah. But like, she doesn't... She she straddles a really fine line. Like she doesn't she argue does. with him, no. but she it's basically like I can still do it. Yeah, like give me a chance. She's not like defending herself against his accusations. Right, right. Because it's like that's not going to be productive. No, she's just like I can still do it. Right. So you know, Hordax yep. like fine, fucking prove it. Yep. And then says pathetic. Right. Yep, so what Catra leaves, Hordak goes back to whatever he was doing, and then. Little demon cherub, Imp, is yeah. looking up in the rafters, and we see him again open his mouth, and we hear Hordak's voice saying, pathetic, pathetic, pathetic. Which, gross. Yes. Yeah. So this is what happens when you don't do therapy, kids. You work yeah. your shit out on whoever is around you who does not deserve it. And, you know, of course, it's Ke- sweet baby Catra, who's everybody's done that to her. Yeah. So. Not everybody. We- not Scorpia. Not Sweet Baby Scorpia, no. A little cinnamon roll. A little cinnamon roll. A little cinnamon roll. All we're right, coming for you, Scorpio. We're going to get to you. We're going to get to you. Want to get back to the woods? Yes, we might as well. So let's go back to the woods. So Swiftwind, who, as we have recently established, knows things and knows that he knows them, even if he doesn't know how he knows them. Yep. Yep. So thought you should know, sensing something weird the closer we get to the outpost. Yep. And, and you know, he can't really describe it. Yes. He just... Um, we'll have to wait I, and see. It's we just, just need weird. to know what this is. Yep. And <laughs> I love Glimmer's line here. Yeah. Alwyn, Alwyn is the rebe- the rebellion's biggest supplier of uh, supplies. Yeah. Thanks, one Glimmer. Bi- <laughs> yeah. One big, happy, incredibly creepy orchard. Yeah. And Swiftwind is stoked. Because uh, creepy apples taste just as good as regular apples. Damn right, Swifty. Damn right. Free yes. apples taste even better. You don't want to let good fruit go to waste. That's the point. No, no, exactly. So crunch, crunch, crunch. Apples are delicious. They walk into the village and it's totes deserted. Totes desserts. And they're like, Adora's like, are they inside? And yes. then Bo's like, all right, well, let me check my tracker pad. To yes, see if not we have to any worry. Bo has upgraded his tracker pad to detect horde signals. And he turns it on, and it freaks out. Oops, it's broken. Oops, it's broken, which is one of the, you know, here's another horror trope, right? Like, your technology that you are using to, um, you're you're counting on in order to help you solve your issues magically breaks. Yes. And, but also, it's Chekhov's broken tracker pad. It's Chekhov's broken tracker pad, sure. Because it ends up being, like, key key to this whole plot line yeah it's like mega fucking important at the end but at the time yeah. right now it's just like oops well that oops. didn't work what's next yeah, yeah it's like so when of you course don't like, glimmer yeah. is fine whatever's going on here we'll solve it nothing gets past us and then my next note i don't remember exactly what happened but i wrote in all caps creepy wind creepy wind spooky yes which is also you know another horror trope of course of course. Um, and that's almost like how you know it's going to be fine because it's like there's too much creepy wind for it not to be a red herring. Almost. It's like, oh, you're trying too hard, creepy wind. We get it. I 
Hmm. I'm not sure if I agree with you. And well, here okay. is here is why. Um, while it is kind of like on the nose in terms of the trope itself, none of the ways that the tropes are delivered here are self-referential. Like, they're not meta. They're used earnestly. Like, they do the creepy winds. They do the deserted house. They do the the shadows that no one can see. They even do the Scooby-Doo ending, right? Where it's like, oh crap, those were holograms all along. But they're not self-referential. They're not knowing of themselves. They're tame. They're tame ones. They're tame kind of showings of them to show that they're not actually like, I think you it know, could be seen either way. I think it could be, I think it depends. I think this is one of the great things about the show is that it can be seen from a child or adult POV. Agreed. And I think it is meta from an adult POV. It is meta from an adult POV. But not from a kid POV. And right. it's both. It is both of these things simultaneously. Oh, I like that. So I agree with you. And I also agree with myself. <laughs> you know what? I will, because I just love fucking dialectics so much, I'll do it. <laughs> it's true. You do. Let's do it. Let's do this metatextual right. dialectic. Nice. So yes, there is Creepy Wind. And now we are introduced to the concept that people used to tell stories about Elwyn being haunted. Ha ha ha. Ghost stories. Yes. And now we start the trope of let's all tell each other ghost stories and get totally freaked out. So can, with can a I twist, have, can I all have the a, ghosts are princess ghosts. I would like to use this to take a Professor Smart Brain moment about the nice. importance of ghost stories and ghost lore. Yes, please. Ooh, can't wait. Okay, so. I'm going to talk about ghost lore um, since we already are kind of like dropping and talking about like what horror tropes are. This is pretty fun. So I'm just going to give like a super high level. Here's what Wikipedia says about what a ghost story is. Oh. I know, right? Like we all don't know this one, right? But a ghost well, story is- Well, sometimes it's important to define your terms at the beginning sure. of the conversation. So let's do it. So um, a ghost story is any piece of fiction or drama that includes a ghost or simply takes as taken as a premise of the possibility of ghosts or a character's belief in them. So that's what we have. That's what we're playing with right now. Yep. The possibility of ghosts and the character's belief in them. The Definitely. ghost may appear of its own accord or may be summoned by magic, right? Okay. Uh, linked to the ghost is the idea of a haunting, which is a supernatural entity or entities is or are tied to a place, object, or person. In this case, it is the trope of the ghost town. Mm -hmm. And it has the, the markings of the ghost town trope, you know. Everybody disappeared all of the sudden. We see, you know, things are, they're there at night, right? Things right. are dark. They're there at night. Of course, this is the only time they've ever had a mission that they've shown up at night. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, everything is silent except for rustling, you know, rustling leaves, right, like all right. of that stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of what the um, ghost stories have different functions uh, within, just like any any folk tales or any folk traditions have different funk behavioral functions uh, that conform to the society in which they are told. So in this case, we are framing these stories that Shadow Weaver told Adora and presumably the rest of the Horde kids as a child about haunted princesses. So ghost stories are often explicitly meant to scare, but they are also often used to serve the purpose of a morality tale. 
which is mm-hmm. um, a morality tale, by the way, folks, is essentially a story that had that has a moral attached to it that, you know, if you follow the morals of this story, you will be successful. If not, X, Y, Z will happen to you. So you might die. You might die. So that's what and that's what we're hearing. That's what we're hearing here is we're hearing this ghost tale as the morality tale. The headless princess, the all of these princess the stories. The weeping princess. The, the weeping princess. The bloody princess. foot princess. And we're hearing these as princesses, as Glimmer does point out. And the way that Glimmer points it out is extraordinarily meta. And the way yes. that, you know, that that is super meta about them. Yes. Um, is that, didn't you notice that this is a, this is a thing? You know, it's that yeah. low-key uh, indoctrination stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Adora realizes it. Like it's, you know, the first moment that she's ever had the occasion to realize it, which it is. And another important thing about the ghost lore, like ghost lore as ghost tales, like not like a written ghost story, but like ghost lore, like as a folktale. Oral tradition. Oral tradition. Exactly. It's generally part of an oral tradition. I love ghost stories. Yeah, me too. I love these podcasts that have people kind of write in and tell their ghost stories and they're just like read to like, you know, here's our listener from... You know, Walla Walla Washington saying the story about the haunted haunted train ride. And, you know, every single... And these are people that have... Well, you might not believe this, but here's what happened to me, right? So this, it's this very much keeping up of this oral tradition using the mm-hmm. methods and kind of tools that we have at our disposal right now. It's not sitting around telling it like, you know, especially during COVID. You're not sitting around and telling them around a campfire. You're literally like writing them in to a podcast, yeah, I mean, functionally, culturally, it's, culturally, it's equivalent. It's, it's equivalent, and I yeah. just, I think that's cool because I cool. love folk tales and I love telling stories. Me too. Although I do miss the smell of campfire smoke because that's the bomb. I do too. And those toasted marshmallows. And that was my professor smart brain moment about folklore and ghost stories. That was a good one. Thank you. I agree with everything that you Thank said. Thank you. Thank you. I love ghost story- stories. Juicy. I love ghost stories, too. Yeah, they're super fun. Yeah. Jenny, have you ever seen a ghost? I have not. Really? I wish that I had, but I have not. Oh, I've totally seen I ghosts. I cannot be a liar. Oh. Will you tell us? Do you want to tell us about your ghost? I'll tell you a couple of my ghost stories. Okay. So when I was a little kid, I was like six, six or seven years old, um, I got up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And I went to the bathroom, and as I was walking back to my bed, there was another little girl, maybe about seven or eight, who was like all shimmery and all that shit, right? She looked like a fucking ghost. And she was wearing a nightgown, and she looked and she said, help me. Are you for real? Yeah, no, I'm fucking for real. Jesus. This so is in your was, house. This is in my house I grew up in. Dang. Or one, one of the ones I grew up in, yeah. Dang. So that's one. Were you and terrified? Think, yeah. Eh? Like I did. <laughs> eh? Eh, kind of. Dang, you were a cool cucumber as a little kid. I mean, ghosts or whatever. Like (laughs) You were like, okay, I would like to help you, but I'm tired. And as an adult, as an adult, I have absolutely my old house that I lived in. I have seen multiple, multiple, multiple ghost cats. I remember I was at your house. Yeah. One of the houses where you told me that there were ghost cats. I wanted to see them. Yep. So, so here's my, here's my, oh, wow, ghost cat ghost story. So uh, my ex-landlord uh, was an animal, like, you know, in-home re- animal rescuer, and he had a bunch of kitties, and he had a bunch of cats in the house, and there was this one cat that we would always kind of see, like, or feel, like I'd be doing dishes and I'd feel a cat brush by me, and there would be no cats anywhere. 
Mm. Or like I would be like laying down and I would feel the cat like curl up on my feet. Um, that is spooky. And there was, I mean, and I've full on like looked and seen this cat. It was like a big fluffy black and white cat. So we would just see this cat around. I would just say hi to it. I'd put my hand down to see if it wanted to give me rubbies. Whatever, ghosts are fine. Um, How did you know it was a ghost cat if you could see it? Oh, well, it didn't I, I look mean, the it, same as a regular cat, though. Well, it walked through a wall. <laughs> oh, I guess that would do so, it. So, and it was more like, like you know, wasn't like tangible looking, right? Like gotcha. it was a little like. Yeah, so I mean, you had part. me with walked through a wall. Yeah. So here's the part where you could say, all right, Matt, you're fucking full of shit or you've like done way too many drugs in your life. I'm like, okay, fine. So I went, my ex-landlord was also a um, mechanic and we were getting the car worked on and, you know, I went down to, you know, check in with him to see what it was like. And I looked up and his daughter was the... um, his daughter was a receptionist, so I walked in. I was like, hey, how's the car doing? She's like, oh, good. And I looked up, and I saw a picture of the same fucking cat. And I'm like, hey, who's that? And she was like, oh, that was our old one of my old kitties growing up. Wow. He died. He's buried in the front yard. It was wow. the same fucking cat, guys. I had never been to this dun, place dun, before. Dun. I saw the cat multiple times, and then I went, and the picture was on the wall. It That's was cool. the cat. So, yeah. So, I've seen ghosts. I believe you, dude. Yeah, yeah. So that was weird, but cool. And but none of my ghost stories have to do with like, you know, or horror stories, you know, like have to do with princesses with bloody footprints. No, that just would be cool. cute, sweet kitties. And they were sweet. Cute, and my like sweet ghost kitties. Yeah. And my cats would play with those cats. That's goddamn adorable. It was goddamn adorable. It was very, very goth adorable. Yeah. It oh, was yeah. Very, that's exactly what it is. It was goth adorable. That's exactly what it is. The only supernatural thing that I have ever witnessed, as far as I know, this also sounds completely made up, but I swear to fucking God that it happened. Um, this is in, I want to say 2007. I had only lived in this apartment for a little while, this apartment that I live in now. Um, and my roommate and I had spent the entire Sunday afternoon just chilling in the living room, which we did a lot in those days. We just would spend the whole Sunday on the couch, not moving. So we had been on the couch for hours. Um, and there were a lot of half-drunk water glasses sitting around the coffee table because we were in our early 20s and pretty sloppy. And out of the blue, one of these glasses, it was an empty glass, like a big, heavy glass, exploded violently. Nope. The pieces... The radius of how far the pieces traveled were all the way across the room. And this is a large room. Nope, that's they were terrifying. Like under the couch on one end of the room, under the piano on one end of the room. Like, there was no catalyst. We were both just reading. Yeah, nope. <laughs> that's that's the biggest nope like, I've ever known. Who did we piss off? I would nope the fuck out of that house. <laughs> I would be like, find me the closest fucking bruja. I mean, get this- her in there. <laughs> cleanse the fuck out of this house. I've smudged my apartment many times. I cleanse the shit out of that house. This is an old building. Um, and, you know, it's a large. Well, it's not that large. Six floors, 12 units per floor. I feel like there's been lots of energy in and out. So I feel like a good smudging is all it takes. So anyway, we had some ghost stories. Shadow Weaver liked to tell the story of the weeping princess who is a yes. vengeful spirit looking for victims. Yes. And it is fun listening to Adora start to lose her shit talking about these ghosts of her childhood. And of course, the second Adora says that, people are like, what's that? What's that? Huh? 
The weeping princess, a vengeful spirit who roams Etheria looking for victims. You know she's coming for you by the sound of weeping right before she strikes. Yep, and of course everyone freaks out. Gasp, and gasp. Gasp. Yes, and then we see something very briefly, a blurry mm-hmm. something that looks like possibly <gasps> it could be the right size and shape, that it could maybe be a ghost. A ghost? Uh, maybe. What? Before we zip back to the Fright Zone. Back to the Fright um, Zone. And so my first note here, this is a general note, is this whole scene is about Katra confronting the nitty gritty reality of large scale operations management. And it is not sexy, but it is hilarious. I just wrote, Katra has no time for everyday business. She got shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah you, you, you were much funnier than me. Well, I mean, we said the same thing. <laughs> we said the same thing. I just, uh, In different I, just ways. Dis- I distilled yes. it. Yeah, yeah. So, and now we finally get to have some Scorpia. Sweet baby Scorpia. So we've got Katra studying a big map, showing all the occupied horde territories. And Katra is, you know, doing business. She's trying to move some troops around. She wants somebody to move in on Orlandia. You know, Catra doesn't have time for the little stuff. Like, she needs to hire, like, a project manager for this type of stuff, Yeah, she's not a good project manager. No, she's really not. But that's part of her role now as second in command. It is, and she didn't realize that. She doesn't have the budget to subcontract out. She really doesn't. It's true. It's true. She wasn't fully briefed. I mean, she wasn't trained for this position. No No, one briefed her on what her new responsibilities were going to be. She totally fucking skipped force captain orientation. Yeah, it's true. So. Anyway, she wants to move on Orlandia. Scorpia would love to help her, but the 3rd Battalion is refusing to fight because they don't have armor. I they mean. put in, uh, gee, where is it? Six requests for resupply. Didn't you see these? Oh, maybe if they were like forwarded to Catra's email or something. If but they, they were use- like left taped to the front of her bed every morning, maybe. Like, what the hell? They have... Okay. All right. This bothers me, right? They have fucking tracker pads that they can communicate with. They can't use them for fucking email. They can't right? have their files on a computer. Well, that they wouldn't can't make be them... funny. Yeah, but also, like, these are totally inaccessible for Scorpia. It's Scorpia true. Scorpia does not have fine motor skills, man. Like... But she can't you work the tracker pads either. Right, but, like, give her fucking something accessible. Oh, I know. Right? I mean, it seems like they're determined to make the most out of that being an issue and it being funny to watch her struggle. Yeah, but, like, and, like, I understand on, like, I understand that that is some great physical comedy, but it also kind of makes me sad for Scorpia. I agree with you. Like, the Horde needs more accessibility. I agree with you. But we can't miss, I agree with you, we can't miss this awesome gay moment that's coming. Because oh, no, we can't. Scorpia said, didn't you see all these requests? Catra says, I've been a little busy, you know, almost toppling Bright Moon and coming closer than anyone ever has to conquering the planet for the Horde. Not that anyone seems to care. Yeah. Is this one of your gayest moments? Obviously. 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 And, and Scorpia says, I care. Oh, sweet baby And Scorpia. then all of us say, gay. <laughs> Est moment. Gay. <laughs> Gay. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> we all know that we all know that that that's was some, gay. That's some gay ass shit. I, that's, yeah. yeah. So then, you know, Catra even has a moment. You can see in her eyes that, like, she's not going to go soft at that, but she's also somewhat appeased. She's like, okay, fine, give him the armor. And more comedy gold from Scorpia. Yep. She does that great uh, Scorpia, you know, deadpan thing that. Um, yeah. 
Lauren Ash always does. Okay, so I sure would like to do that, but uh, see, the armor, armory is out of armor. And, you know, it's like that yeah. whole, like, you got yeah. it. I'm very Canadian and ready to do yeah. this. And, and the, then, like, the, ti- the pauses, the comedic timing mm-hmm. is just mwah. Yeah, she's she's phenomenal. Yeah, so Katra says, have them make more. And then my next note is, but there's a hole in the bucket, dear Liza, dear Liza. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Meanwhile, Scorpio is comically dropping files everywhere with her giant claws that are not ideal for sorting. They're just so slidey and slippery. Yeah. And they don't have fingers. My God. Yeah. Yeah. So- and she's so good at other things. But as we're seeing here, everyone has to do things that they're not good at. In right. addition to things that they are good at. Such is right. life. Such is life. Yes. Sometimes you're really good at one part of your job and you really suck at the other. And if you have yeah. a supportive boss, they would understand. And sometimes you have a work buddy who's really awesome at things that you're terrible at. And you're awesome at things that they're terrible at. And then you make an awesome team. It's like a dream scenario. It's like a dream scenario. But neither one of them is good at this. Yes. So, so Katra says, how am I supposed to defeat the rebellion when all I do is the stupid busy work? I bet Shadow Weaver didn't have to deal with any of this. And Scorpio's like, well, these are her files. So she probably so did. So she probably did. I'm just saying that's, that, that's a guess on my part. <laughs> and, you know, there's more fumbling. And yeah. then, <laughs> and then boom, Trapta falls out of a vent and says hi, like it's a normal everyday way to enter a room. I love, see, that was that was funny to me when she just like falls out of yep. the sky and is like, hi. <laughs> yeah. Hi. <laughs> hi. Hi, Entrapta. <laughs> yeah. And then Katra is so annoyed. Her She's like gritting her teeth. You're not a prisoner anymore. <laughs> Just be normal. And fucking just be normal. And Trapta has no fucking time for yeah. hall- hallways. And Trapta says the ducks are faster. And I say, are they? Maybe. Don't maybe you have to more... crawl when you're going through ducks? You can't stand up straight maybe in a duct. They're... Well, they might be like more direct. I'll have to take her word for it. Yeah. And she has no time for hallways. And she needs that six-sided hex driver right now. Go to Ikea and Trapta for fuck's sake. Right? It's not you that get hard. get it so much faster. Right? Probably. Well, probably. Well, but they probably don't have an Ikea in the Horde or, or local it's probably, area. Yeah, right? Like, it's probably really far. Like, they're going to have to go all the way to Red Hook. They got to take the uh, the ferry and an extension bus. Yeah. it's yeah, a lot. Exactly. You can take a fucking boat. Uh, anyway. Listeners, if, you, uh, if you're not from New York City, there is, a, there is an Ikea in New York City proper. But is in a neighborhood that is not very accessible by public transportation. Yeah. Uh, and but they did add a special bus that just goes right there mm-hmm. from one of the regular bus and train stops. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's a bit onerous. It's not yeah. an easy trip. Right. So it's probably easier to just break into Hordax and her sanctum. Yes. Catcher really wants her to make do with what she has. That is not how Entrapta rolls. That is not how Entrapta She's rolls. She's just going to go get one from Hordax Lab. And Catra's like, don't go in there. Because Catra just learned what happens when you go in there unannounced. You yeah. get strangled. Yeah, yeah. And so I really feel for Catra right now because Me too. she's trying to protect herself and she's trying to protect her team. She's trying to protect her team because they're friends. You know, even though Catra's grouchy, they're, yeah, they're friends. Yeah, even though she's not going to admit it. Yeah. They are friends. Yeah. And so... She's like, don't go near his sanctum. And Trapped is super impressed by that. Oh, he calls his lab a sanctum. Oh, that's so classy. I mean, it's pretty classy, though. (laughs) But like, Catcher's trying to tell her something super important. That's like, listen, like, you need to understand this for your own basic safety. 
And it just like whoosh, goes right over her head. And she's like, ooh, it's classy. Yeah. Like Katra, you know, she's in charge of this person now who she knows is hard to wrangle. Yep. 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 And then I wrote, great moment for Scorpio to find the file on why they can't make more armor. And, you know, it's it's an impronounceable... Yes, they're uh, out of the shiny stuff they need to make more armor. So where can we get more? Scorpio doesn't have a file for that. So Catra has to handle it herself. But Scorpio is supposed to keep an eye on Entrapta now, make sure she doesn't go anywhere near Hordak. Which, you know, we, Scorpia, that's not really Scorpia's strength. No. And then we get another fun trope of, got it, I won't let her out of my sight. Now, you didn't happen to see which way she went, did you? Yep. Womp, womp. <laughs> womp, womp. And now, back to the woods. Yes. We're back in Alwyn. Still nighttime, of course. Still nighttime. Still spooky. Spooky town. Spooky. So the best friend Quad wandering through the village in a we all have our backs to each other so no one can sneak up on us formation. Smart. You know. Ready to leap into action. And Swiftwind is totally freaked out, which is adorable. And also this door is too small for horses, which is rude. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> which, like, he's, you know, very keen on making sure everyone knows that there's reasons why he's staying outside. Bo, man, you got to keep it together. <laughs> you gotta keep it together, man. You know. gotta keep it together. Yeah. So they look inside a house, but it's abandoned, and they can see that people clearly left in a hurry because the dinner is just sitting on the table, not eaten. I have a mini Professor Smart Brain moment here about that. Ooh, yes, it's please. A mi- it's a mini one. It's like a Professor Smart bite. Oh yes, I was gonna say nugget. Yeah, this is a little nugget. Yes, so, feed me a smart nugget. So uh, this is also this is also a horror trope, like. No one knows where they went, but they went in a hurry. Right. This is also, this reminded me of the evangelical Christian eschatological um, theory of the rapture. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for folks that don't know what this is, it's, I mean, it's, it's also kind of been adapted into like sci-fi, other sci-fi things. Like the 4400 is kind of like that. the idea that like, you know, when the rapture comes, all of like the good people are going to get raptured up. Yeah. So uh, just a quickie thing. The rapture is an eschatological, theological position held by some Christians, particularly within branches of American evangelicalism, uh, consisting of an end times event when all Christian believers who are alive, along with the resurrected believers, because we're also remembering that during this time, uh, as it is in the book of Revelations, people come back from the dead. It's creepy. about that part. Yeah, there's a whole part about that. Um, would, quote, rise into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So it's pretty wild. Then this is very, this is a very um, newer understanding of yeah. this particular, it's a very American, newer yeah, kind yeah. of Yeah, I mean, a of lot thing. of, yeah, a lot of evangelical Christian modern movements started in America in the early 20th century. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the theology around, um, a lot of the theology around many of these, interpreta- many of their interpretations right. Uh, are you know? Yeah, pretty recent. So that's the, my mini nugget. This is like the rapture, and I was thinking of uh, the town of Roanoke when they all disappeared. Ah, uh, Croatoa. Croatoa. Croatoa is what was written on the tree. Yes, 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 yes. <clears throat> I mean, I uh, 
history was not a super strong subject for me. So like I took the perfunctory classes only. So I'm remembering this from ninth grade, which is kind of a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I just remember the whole town disappeared and they never figured out why or where. And I love spooky stories. And that was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Anyway, so they left in a hurry, but there's no sign of a struggle. Food is just cold on the table. No sign of the horde. They all just left. It's very weird and spooky. And Adora is reminded of another ghost princess story. It's the headless princess this time. She stalks the night, pulling people out of their bed, leaving nothing but bloody footprints. But there's no footprints. No. But they have to check, because there could be. But they look, and there's yeah, nothing. Swifty startles them, and they all scream and jump on each other, because that is the theme of the story. Also, Swiftwin was not a fan of being outside by himself. At least he's not too proud to admit it. And, you know, they're just rattled. They continue just, you know... They leave that house, they continue to stay in this attack-ready pose, they all have their backs to each other, and then Bo notices a tall, narrow pyramid and asks Adora if it looks familiar, and she thinks maybe it does, hmm. and again they freak out at the smallest sound only to realize it's just an open shutter flapping in the breeze. Yet another horror trope. And then I wrote, these motherfuckers are jumpy. They are fucking jumpy. And Adora is reminded of another princess ghost story, the lair of the undead princess, where she lures soldiers to their doom. <laughs> doom, de doom, doom, doom. Yes. Uh, and this is where you're right. Bo points out yes. undead princess. Man, the horde really had a theme, huh? And Adora, you know, this is like Adora's finally realizing, oh, wow. She's like, oh, you're right. Wow. I can't believe I'm just realizing this now. And this is the... um. I have another Professor Smart Brain yeah. nugget here. Okay. Uh, my note was... I wonder if yours is going to be the same as what I was going to say. Uh, might not be. So this is why I said, oh, sweet baby Adora, this shows how deep indoctrination goes. You don't notice things that you have normalized as part of the greater and uh, uh, hierarchical structure. Oh, 50 cents for use of the word hierarchy. And hierarchy, I'm just going to, that's my, my nugget. And hierarchy in feminist theory is a social system set of connecting uh, or set of connecting social systems built around dominance, oppression, and submission. It's essentially all of the isms together. Yeah. So it, it, it it's like wraps them all patriarchy and up. capitalism and sexism and racism and homophobia. All the interlocking systems of oppression together in one master system. It's the worst. It's of yeah. Everything. It's the system of cruelty and submission is like where the name comes from. Yeah. So, and it's pretty much all of the things that are terrible. Yeah. So that actually is one way to look at it. Um, but I don't even necessarily think that it has to be related to um, brainwashing and institutional types of mind molding. I think that we, because we all have patterns, right? Um, that we are not self-aware about right? until eventually we are. So my note for that is that, you know, this is, oh, uh, what was my note? This is an accurate representation of self-awareness in action. It's exactly the same as oh. the first moment you realize that all your exes have a vital flaw in common, that they, <laughs> you know, that you gravitate to yeah. the same type of person who's terrible for you in this one way over and over. Yeah. You have no realization, you have no awareness of it until suddenly you do. Oh, I like, like oh, that. Yeah. Because I, I like that. I, I remember having that moment very sharply. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I've, we've all definitely had that moment. Wow, oh, yeah. fuck, I never realized that. Yeah. <laughs> it's also one of those things that happens in therapy. Yes, yes. 
But not only in therapy. You can yeah, no. you can get there you on your have, own. Yeah, but she had her, you know, like, and maybe you have a friend, a gentle, loving friend who could point it out to you, and you could be like, "Oh yeah, it's true." Exactly. Oh, never it's, noticed it's, that. It's like her oh shit moment, right? So I don't think you're wrong, but I think it can also be applied more broadly. I completely agree, and I did not look at it like that. See, look, see, this is why there's two of us. See, delicious. Delicious. This text is delicious. Just yes. like those spooky, crispy apples. Yes, yes. But then Glimmer reminds them they still have a mission. Something did happen that forced these people to flee their homes. Yep. And we got to get to the bottom of it. And there was a ghost. Yes, and then we have another sighting of a maybe ghost. But only the audience sees it. <gasps> Whoa, oh my also, god. Also a ghost trope. Yes. Ah, okay. And now go back to the fright zone. Back to the fright zone. And then entrapped. <laughs> entrapped Entra- with her ethical dilemma number 63. I love that she's like taking i love this actually i really love that she's like okay i am noticing that this may be indeed a dilemma an ethical dilemma so i'm going to record them to see if in the future i come up with an answer and i love this and i love that she is aware of this as an ethical dilemma Mm -hmm. because it's it's much more concrete than some of the things that we have dealt with before that have gone over her head because someone who is her friend explicitly asked her for something Exactly. And she agreed to it. Yes. And so now she's exploring that question of what is the impact Mm -hmm. if I do it versus if I don't do it. Yep. So again, like the importance to her is how is this going to affect my friend? Right. And but also and she's like, does it count if she doesn't find out? And then I'm like, well, this is that's kind of a lie of omission, right? I think it's more than a lie of omission. Yeah, I mean, it's just pretty much like... No, because, you know, she said she wouldn't. And then she does come down on the side of she shouldn't do it. Right. She goes back and forth, but ultimately she's like, oh, you know, no one would know, but I would know. I shouldn't do it. Or should I? No, I shouldn't. But then she's there. And that's where she ends. She ends on I shouldn't. Right. But she's there. (laughs) She's there. She wants to. Yeah. I mean... This might be the first time someone's ever asked her to promise them anything, not to do something she wants to do. That's true. This is ethical dilemma number 63, but it could be the first time that ever that anyone's ever asked her to to put aside something that she wants for the sole reason that they don't want her to do it. It's true. This could be like it's not because of a natural consequence reason. It's not because like, oh, if you go in there, something's going to explode. You're going to die like which Katra should have, could have said, but also didn't. Yeah. Right? But, like, Katra you know. could have said that would be dangerous for you. Right. 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 She could have said that, but she didn't. Right. So all Entrapta has to work with is, you know, should I break my word to my friend or not? Right. And she, so, she lands on the side of not. But after she lands on that decision, oops, she's inside. She's inside. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's she, the tool she wants. And now she's watching Hordak's experiment and it's amazing. Yeah. But now we see more of Hordak being Hordak. Self-sabotaging. Yep. Again, yep. this is the same bad behavior that he does to Catra, he also does to himself. Um, which just compounds the issue, because he's just going to keep being shitty to everyone else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Longer, he keeps being shitty to himself. He throws a tantrum when his experiment fails and storms out. And then Entrapta exposits to Emily the critical value of failure as part of the scientific process, which will bring her and Hordak together. Aww. In the end. I and love that, though. Yeah. He yeah. loves this. It's okay to fail. Mm-hmm. 
Failure is a vital part of scientific endeavor. And that is like, oh, thanks, Entrapta. For yeah. a Virgo perfectionist like me, that's something that I need to hear. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. You learn more from failure I than know. you do from success. Fuck. That's, that's true. true. She says to Emily, what if I had given up on you after the first explosion or the 50th? I know I should leave, but I have to stay for science. And we're, we're about your noble cause. You know, and like that is. We're here like, for that. I'm not sure if I can justify this, but I feel like Entrapped is gay for science. That's the gayest moment. I love it. Yes. Yes. I, I love the idea of somebody being gay for science. Yeah, yeah. If there's ever a moment where she is like standing on her convictions and like not going to be dissuaded. Yep. Gay for science. Got it. There. There with you. I Word. didn't have it, but I love it. Word. And then we go back to Spooky Elwins. <laughs> and so, just for a minute. <laughs> so we got some more more horror tropes used here. Glimmer sees the reflection of a ghost form, but when she turns around, nothing's there. What the fuck? What the fuck? But there is a weird sound, but it's probably just the wind. Yep. Oh my god, what was that? For the honor of Grayskull. Ah, the woods. <laughs> ah, the woods. Sounds like somebody is singing. This isn't the first time Swiftwind hears something. Right. Because it's Swiftwind. And and Adora, notably. They're the two who hear the thing the most. Yeah. And, you know, so Adora finally hears something and Swifty's like, yeah, you heard it. And then Adora says, it sounds like someone is singing, which Uh, is another horror trope, right? Yes. And then Glibber's like, but it could be just the wind. And then, you know, they see one of the ghosts. And then Adora turns into Shira. Yeah, I didn't think they really saw it. It says they look around and one of the bright ghostly forms move past. Bo and Glimmer uh, clutch each other. Adora right. points. There, something is there. All right. Well, I guess so. you're the definitive authority if that's what it says in the script. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading the script. Yeah. <laughs> I was just watching the show. Yeah, a, I always have the script because What a dumb I, move. Yeah, I know. No, I'm glad you have the script. It's important that one of us have it. Back to the Fright Zone. Gosh, there's a lot back of back to and forth. Back to Hordak's Sanctum. Yeah, there's a lot of back and forth in this episode. Yeah, well, you know, it's a straightforward parallel plotline situation. Yep, yep. Okay, so we got Entrapta's in the Sanctum. Welding away, doing her thing. Doing her thing. And a then Hordak. a shadow creeps up behind her. And I know it's Hordak, but it sure looks like Batman. It does look like Batman. <laughs> I know it's Hordak. Um, and then Entrapta becomes the first person ever not to be scared of Hordak's man-baby tantrums. Yeah, no, she doesn't give a fuck. She's so- like, not even aware, almost. No, she's like, hold on, I'm working. I'll she's be like, right hello, there. you're blocking my light. If you could just step aside. It's awesome. And then she keeps working, and he flips out, and she's like, she's like, whatever, I'm, I'll get out. And then she doesn't, you know, he he's never had anyone not freak respond to that and be like freaked out and she's like just a sec i'm almost finished and he's like uh what and she's like okay i'm done (laughs) i took two screenshots and put them side by side yes of hordak when he's saying get out and then in the moment after when she's like and he's like like the difference between his angry face and his like golden retriever oh kind of face (laughs) (laughs) those two side by side are very gratifying and then, of course, he's like, there will be dire consequences. And she does not give a fuck. She's like, she's like ah, you were using uninsulated cables. It should hold the <laughs> charge now. <laughs> I fixed it. Goodbye. Yeah. You know. All done. <laughs> All done. Bye. And he was just like, 
it's that it's that whole trope of like when somebody is not threatened the yeah. person that is threatening is just like you know jaw dropped like yeah and they, they just, just do not know how to respond they don't know how to respond yeah i don't know if that would really work in real life i don't know if it would either but it's very gratifying it is very gratifying yeah yeah he's because he's stunned but also like bemused because yeah. no one's ever just treated him like a person before. Yeah. Which is his own fault. Maybe not originally, but, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, it's hard. It's hard, but, you know. Anyway, Hordak says that, you know, recognizes that she was right. And then she pops yes. up behind him. And, like, and the <laughs> way the way he says it, it's like he can't believe that yeah. someone other than him was right. She was right. And then she pops up. She's like, of course I was right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She's the perfect uh, amount of confident. I I love her so much. Like she is 100% confident in her abilities, but not in a way that's egomaniacal. No, she just knows her shit. You know, she just she knows her shit and she knows that she knows it. Yep. But she's not threatened by other people also being smart. Yeah. She, you know, she's enthusiastic. She's enthusiastic when it comes, about when it yeah. comes to it about having a lab partner. Exactly. You know, ego does not get in the way of her shit at all, but she also doesn't back down. Yep. Yep. So it's the perfect amount. Yep. She knows what she knows and she always wants to know more. So she is smart enough to deduce that this is a power source, but mm -hmm. what are you building that needs so much power? <gasps> what is this? This seems like it'll probably be really yes. important. Yes, I think it will. Hordak is too stunned to reply, but Entrapta 100% figures it out on her own. He's experimenting mm -hmm. with portals. Portals? And now it is exposition time. Ex Science exposition time. Multidimensional yes. gates are purely, purely theoretical. No one's ever come close to achieving one. And then, obviously, someone from a backwater planet such as yours could not possibly comprehend it. Like, serious. What are you implying, sir? He's like, serious fucking villain shit. Yes, yeah. yes. And yeah, he's absolutely implying that, like... There yeah. are other planets. And then, like, to be fair, when he says, I kind of thought when he says, of course, there are other planets. There's, you know, dozens, hundreds, thousands. Etheria is the only planet I've ever been to that doesn't seem to realize this. On the one hand, I feel like that's a dig at us. Yeah. Always being like, oh, is there life out? Th Who knows? Could there be aliens? That's crazy. Like, do you really that's fucking crazy. think yeah. in the entire ginormous universe? That it's likely that we are the only planet that has life. That yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, no, that's fucking... That's but also, I feel like he's being really harsh on a theory because they live in this empty dimension. Yeah. Where they don't even have stars. <laughs> so, like, why would they think there were any other planets? There are no other planets in their dimension. Right, exactly. They deserve a break. They just have a couple of fucking moons. Yeah. So. Like, they're... Yeah, you know... They got nothing. They got nothing. They got nothing. So, anyway... So, now Entrapta is on the verge of having access to all the most exciting scientific data she could possibly desire. So that's a big moment for Entrapta. Good for you, Entrapta. Yes. Good Meanwhile, for you. Meanwhile, we're going to mosey over to Shadow Weaver's cell. Ugh. Yeah, uh, this is rough. My only notes for this scene are Psy, Okatra, and fuck you, Shadow Weaver. And that's really all I have. Well. I mean, I'm sure you have more, but like I do. this- yeah, yeah, no, please, yeah, because I was yeah. just like, ugh, Shadow Weaver's the worst. What a horrible human. Well, I mean, she, or she is, but this, I mean, I agree with you, obviously, but this scene isn't the worst of Shadow Weaver. No, no, it's not. I just hate her. Yeah, I hate her too. <laughs> no argument. 
Yeah, no. So let's hear what you have to say. Yeah. Because I want to know mean, what you have here. Part so. of, I mean, part of this is just that we have to get through it plot-wise. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, Catra accuses Shadow Weaver of trying to sabotage her by somehow masterminding a plan from in prison to keep new armor materials from reaching the Fright Zone. Right. Which, you know, seems very elaborate. Shadow Weaver seems delighted to tell her that the armor materials are actually produced right here in the Fright Zone at the Foundry. Which seems like the logical place to start. And now that that's out of the way, let's have another one of our touching emotional manipulation and gaslighting conversations. Hooray! That's, that's my next note. Hooray! Uh, being me isn't quite what you imagined. And it's like, ugh, God, shut up, Shadow Weaver. Yeah. Like, I know this is important. I'm just like, right. I, I just didn't yeah, have I suppose it. you thought Hordak would let you run things yeah. now. And, and then, like, of course, Catra feels goaded. Yeah. She can't lose face in front of Shadow Weaver. No. Nope. She says, he does. I can do what I want. You don't know that he tried to strangle me. Right. But right. he'll never trust you with his real plans. Real Don't take plans. it personally. He never did with me either. And this is a more abuser so, shit. Really- I mean, honestly, she's... I mean, it's true. It's true. She's In this scene, she's probably telling the truth more than she normally does. But it's also that abuser shit where they conflate their own issues with yours, too. I don't know. I mean, yes and no. I feel like she knows that it's true. And she's, in a, in a way, she's demystifying her own role to capture. She's saying, like, yeah, he didn't... You're imagining that I had a more privileged position with him than I actually did. He didn't treat me sure. any better than he's treating you. Sure. Sure. Okay. So in a weird way, like, it doesn't really do Shadow Weaver any good. Yeah. It's weird. It doesn't really get either of them any ground. No, it really doesn't. But then I, my next note is that then they take turns gay glaring at each other. And damn, was that a gayest moment. Not with them, only in like, gay shade kind of way. Yeah, no, I get the gay shade part. Yeah. 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 So, you know, they have that silent, angry oozing. Yeah. And then Katra walks out. With her angry lesbian pheromones all over the place, punches the button. Yep. And, you know, her entire body language is just, you know, I'm reminding you who has the power in this moment. Yeah. Does the gay it. punching of the wall. Yes. Only it's the yes. button, right? Yes. yes. So, I mean, that scene doesn't really accomplish very much other than, you know, we see that Katra finds out that Shadow Weaver didn't have any secret inside dealings with Hordak any more than she does. Right, right. And that, you know, we don't know what the relationship between... We we honestly don't know what the relationship between Hordak and Shadow Weaver was in terms That's of, true. like, confidentiality. But we do know that, you know, it wasn't all, you know, smiles and sunshine between the two of them. No, <laughs> I don't think there were probably any smiles and sunshine at all. No, neither one of those things, in fact. Neither one of those things. So you want to go back to Alwyn? I think we'd better. Let's go back to Alwyn. So now we have Shira walking through the woods with her big gay sword. Yep. I'm not sure how many how many ghosts you can kill with a sword. Yeah, no. They hear some mo- some strange moans, strange yeah, moaning voices. That weird noise is still happening. Ooh, spooky. And then we, you know, Shira's looking for the root of it. They hear strange laughter, also yeah. tropey, spooky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bo and Glimmer come running after her, and Bo trips over a root because mm-hmm. he's so panicky. He's yep. not looking where he's going. Yep. And if somebody was chasing them, that would also be a spooky trope. Yep. So we got them all here. So I guess the point of him tripping was just so they could be waylaid for a second. Mm-hmm. And he has to turn and look around. 
Like, everybody is 100% ready right now for some shit to go down. Like, right now. Like, right now? (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, the creepy sound is still there. It gets louder. It turns into laughter. Yep. It's it's creepy. It's spooky. And And then then Bo sees one of the ghosties. Very close. And then, of course, here's one of my gayest moments where uh, she really, like, runs at the ghost ghost, right? Whatever we know this is. With her eyes closed, swinging blindly at thin air. (laughs) yelling did i get it (laughs) yeah did i get it did i get it (laughs) getting her big gay sword out yeah but she didn't get it but she didn't get it because you can't can't stab a ghost you can't stab a ghost like we all know that unless you're a ghostbuster but they didn't stab ghosts they just zapped them and it's true you had to have this special special laser proton pack yep yeah I thought you were going to say for your gayest moment, that is a gayest moment for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say the part where they all scream in unison adorably and like vibrate on the same frequency. Oh, like that's... a giant, like they become one unified scream. No, I love that. That was a very Scooby-Doo moment. That is a very Scooby-Doo moment. Yeah, it's a very anime moment too. Yeah. So they're totally freaked out. She didn't get it. So they all run. So she's running and panicking. Flat animatronic ghosts appear this way and that way. Run! Ghosts! Run the other way! Run away! Like, ah! Run away! Run away! Run away! So she's (laughs) like, do something! I love love when she was like, like what, flail at them? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was a good one. I can handle the horde. I can't handle this. This is like... And then Glimmer is just like, stop! Stop! You know, if this was to be another place where, you know... Glimmer would swear. Like, yes. And then, of course, this is all like them. Like, they can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do yeah. it. This is all of them. Right, just right. Like, They're just finally giving up and, you know. Yeah, I'd be terrified. I can't replace Entrapta. I can't make my tracker pad work. I'm terrible at this. Catra was right. And Swifty's like, and I'm still hearing stuff coming from the big stone point. Yeah, which is a total <laughs> non sequitur. Yep. But and we have to get there because then Bo figures it out. Okay, so I do have a question here about Swifty. Mm-hmm. So this is more Swifty being woo, right? So Swifty being who? Being woo. Swifty's all like, you know, like magic and stuff, right? Oh. So yeah. I, so here's my note and here's my question. We don't, you know, we don't have to answer it now. We can just like, you know, pop it in the back of our brains. Okay. So I said more Swifty woo stuff. Is he way more connected with the energy? He seems to be way more connected with the energies of the first one magic tech than Shira. Do you think it's because he is a product of that magic? Because he was transformed after a magic tech, a zapping. Right. That's true. He is like partially made of magic. He is partially like, he's made of that magic, like specifically. Yeah. So, huh. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. It's a good question. Thank you. It's a good question. I I feel like he, I mean, he and Shira have their sacred bond. Right. And, you know, their magic is connected. And so much more of who he is is just feeling comfortable trusting his instincts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sh- and Adora does not have that. That's true, too. So, you know. Yeah. But just, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like that's a good point. Yeah. So anyway. Anyway. So so they process that and uh, Bro's like, wait, from the pointy, wait a second. Yeah. So he starts walking towards the ghost. Everybody else is freaking out trying to save him. And Bo uses, you know, the magic of scientific reasoning and yes. is like, hey, wait a second. 
Oh, but first we have... Yeah, but uh, Shira swings her big old genderqueer sword again yeah. and hits the ground, yeah. causing previously unseen circuitry in the ground yeah. to light up. To light up, using her ability to repair machinery with her big gay sword. Mm-hmm. And then Bo says, of course, this place, it's a first one's ruin. And these aren't ghosts, they're holograms. And we have the Scooby-Doo. Well, it's not really the Scooby-Doo ending because there was no planned hoax. It was just the misunderstanding that shit was yes. haunted. But yes, it's kind of yes, Scooby-Doo-ish, right? Yeah, it's definitely Scooby-Doo adjacent. And then I, my last note for that scene is minor dialogue and they follow yeah. Bo onward to the source of the holograms. And then we yeah. go back to the Fright Zone. Yeah, that's what I have to. So back in the Fright Zone, Scorpia is still chasing after Catra, still carrying all those files because she is diligent as fuck. Scorpia's like, well, you're fast. <laughs> Trying to catch up. And, you know, sweet baby Scorpia. Yep. Just and like, Catra's she- just like over it already because she got her answer. So she has no use for Scorpia in this moment, even though... Scorpio's doing the task that she sent her to do, man. She is. And then this is my gayest moment of the whole episode. And I'm mm. wondering if you have it as well. You go ahead. So I have, Catra says, like. Yes. The materials produced right here, right here in the here fright, fright zone. zone. And Scorpio to herself dreamily is like, ah, beautiful and brilliant. And I was just like, gay. That is obviously a gayest moment, but I still feel like it is not as gay as when Catra was, this is still another Catra Scorpio moment when Catra is saying all the shit she did, not that oh, anyone yeah. seems to care. And, and Scorpia said, so I, like, I care. I, I care. Because that was more vulnerable. Yeah, I, I, I just, this, I totally, I hear gay. you. They're both gay. Yeah. They're both really gay. But this one no is really gay. Because she's just like, you know, mooning about this hot girl. She's yes, like, she is. Beautiful and brilliant. No doubt. <sighs> you know, so. But gay where's Entrapta? You were supposed to be watching her. Then we get another brilliant line delivery. I, I, truthfully, I, I do not know where she is. But I'm going to fix that because that's just the kind of friend I am. So but, you're welcome. <laughs> so you're and this Catra's like, ugh. Catra, I twitch. I twitch. So now they're going to catch up with Entrapta in Hordak's Sanctum. So just a quick little aside here. In the original She-Ra, uh, Entrapta and Hordak were... Entrapta was one of Hordak's like closest allies and like most trusted mm. um, people. So this is also a little kind of like nod to yeah. that, too. I mean, yeah, that is what ends up happening. Yeah, exactly. Here as well. Yeah. So, so they kind of stay... They kind of stick that, like, you know, relationship together. Yeah. The closeness of their relationship together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... So now the experiment is going smoothly. Now yep. that Chapter has come on board with her insulated cables. Yep. And Hordak is pleased as punch, clearly. And Katra is terrified. Yeah. And uh, so before before Katra and Scorpia burst in, mm-hmm. and Trapta says to Hordak, you know, she's just finished soldering a thing and the orb gets much, much bigger. And then Trapta says, this is probably the max... With what you've got to work with here, if we had some first ones tech, we could generate even more voltage. Bum, bum, bum. Yes. Bum. And then Hordak mm. has a moment to have an eyebrow raise. Mm. And then Catra and Scorpia burst in frantically. Yep. Frantically. And Catra's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm trapped. still new here. I promise she won't bother you again. And yes. Hordak is like, ah, oh, but you are the one bothering me with your yeah. unwelcome intrusion. Ah, bad and this is stuff. another heartbreaking exchange. Yeah. Um, I'm sad for Catra. I'm sad for Catra, too. 
But I'm happy for Entrapta. I know I am happy for Entrapta too. Um, I don't mean that to be um, two opposite ends of a spectrum. Sure, absolutely. Um, it's just, you know, Catra, again, she's sticking her neck out, running into Hordak's sanctum when she was not summoned to try to protect her friend. And now yeah. not only is she not helping, she's in trouble again. And, you know, her friend who, you know, disobeyed orders is getting treated preferentially over Katra, who is doing her best to follow the orders. Exactly. You know, it's just yeah. rough. It's fucking rough. Sweet baby Katra. It doesn't mean that Entrapta is really doing anything wrong or that she should be punished. Oh, agreed. In fact, she's getting a lab partner. Oh, did you hear that, Emily? I never had a lab partner before. And so Catra and Scorpia just stare until Imp turns around and hisses at them. Rude. Imp is the worst. I'm Emily. sorry. I mean, he's not great, but I don't think he's the worst. Ugh, he's gross. Anyway, we're back in Alwyn. Yes. So now it's less spooky, yes. I guess. Yeah, every- now that, you know, the, the veil of mystery has been lifted. Yeah, so now it's less spooky, and it looks like they found a beacon, and yes. Bo gives us a little bit of exposition. I'm guessing this is an outpost based on some kind of First One's communication hub. When the Black Garnet disrupted the planet, it must have caused the hub to power up. It's trying to send old stored messages. Mm-hmm. And so my next note is First Ones. They're just like us. They're just like us. And I actually got really sad at this. Yeah. Um, also, I don't know if you picked up on this, but I noticed um, a great tiny gender deconstruction moment when hmm. Glimmer is, you know, first trying to face up to the holograms that are not ghosts. And she looks, she's looking at one that has zero gender designations of any kind on it. No, it's I just like a stick that. figure awesome. person. And she dubs it. She, Oh, she's waving. It's not, you know, it doesn't have any outlines of any types of clothing. It doesn't have hair. Mm-hmm, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a basic stick figure. Right. And she and did so, not automatically go to he. Exactly. Like, who would in a patriarchal like. Exactly. Yeah. And I was like, ah. I like that. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I didn't notice that, but I did. I do like that. So they put the ancient, the ancient hologram ghosties to rest. And she was, you know, was like, be at rest now. And it was, Which it is, was, it was feels. Mm-hmm. It feels like that should be the end. Mm-hmm. But could there be, could there be a tiny nugget more of exposition? Something wild's happening. Could there be a Chekhov's broken tracker pad? I think so. Bull, Bo, so Bull pulls out his tracker pad to let the farmers know that the ghosts are gone. Right. And and Glimmer's like, oh, you know, cool. You know, Glimmer acknowledges that Bo is master maker Bo, you know. Yep, yep. And so we yep. got that little, that little emotional Rebellion's doing up. pretty good with you. Thanks, buddy. And then uh, Bo, you know, is like, well, now that the antenna's powered down, things should be normal. But instead, we get this distorted pattern. It's some kind of degraded code. And a staticky, unintelligible voice. Yes. So, and it's a message with first one writing. And then Adora says, I can't, you know, if that's first one's writing, you know, I can't read it. It's, it's degraded. It's old. It's mysterious. It's mysterious. And, you know. But it's probably just broken, right? It's probably just broken. That's it. That must yeah. be it. But is it Jenny? I don't think so. I don't think so. Or maybe it's just a coincidence that it's broken at the same time that in the same way, displaying what? the same degraded code as what? this screen that is powering up in this thing that maybe looks like a spaceship. 
Yeah, in some crazy desert-looking place. I don't know. What, what? is that crazy desert place? What is that really a spaceship? Whose Just, spaceship is it? What? What? Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And then the credits. Yes. Uh, so, Jenny. So, Meth. What did we learn today? Well, I learned a lot about things that you cannot fight with a sword. <laughs> like ghosts, holograms, emotional baggage. None of these things can be fought with a sword, effectively. That's true. Unless it is the sword of introspection. Indeed. Which is a metaphorical sword. The blade. The blade of introspection. The blade of introspection. I feel like if you you were a princess on Etheria, that would be your weapons, the blade of introspection. Definitely. I'm adding that. I'm adding that to my character sheet for our next episode. Ah! See what I did? What's that? Yes. So, folks, before we close this out... We have a really exciting announcement. Yes, we do. So our next episode is Roll With It, which is the D&D inspired episode. We're going to be doing a full episode of that. You know, one of our awesome episode walkthroughs. But we are also going to be playing for a separate episode, a full one shot D&D game of the Roll With It scenario. Yes. We're playing. <laughs> We're playing D&D as She-Ra characters. This is my first time ever playing D&D, and I'm very excited. So this is going to be a first time for a couple of people. We have some really incredible guests for that coming up as yeah, well. Yeah, you guys are going to love it. It's going to be super gonna fun. It. It's going to be on our main feed. Everyone's going to be able to to listen to it. Yep. So we're gonna, you're gonna listen to us do our own D and D podcast. So yes. stay tuned and listen to your fo- your friends of Hey Adora and their friends play through. Roll with it. Woohoo! Woohoo! Ice punch! Ice punch! Well, folks, if you liked what you heard and you want to join us in telling spooky ghost stories, you can like and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcast fix. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at HeyAdoraCast, or you can email us at HeyAdoraCast at gmail.com. Hey, hey, Jenny. Hey, Beth. Did you hear that we had a Patreon? I did. You I know, heard that it's the most fun place on the internet. It really is the most fun place on the internet. So if you become a member of the Rebellion, that's what I'm calling the Patreon because I'm clever. Uh-huh. So you get fantastic perks like, I don't know, our very own private Facebook group and our Discord server where we have been doing live watches. So much fun. It's super fun. You get playlists, you get video hangouts, you get so much from us. And you get to see our cats if you're lucky. And you can see our cats if you're lucky. And you can find the link to our Patreon as well as the link to this week's playlist, Signals, on in our show notes or at heyadora.gay. That's right, dot gay. Dot gay! You know that! And remember, queer joy is radical. And queer love saves the universe. Ow! Spooky ghosts. <laughs> <laughs>